Hi, this is Mike Mignola, and you're listening to An Elegant Weapon. An Elegant Weapon is brought to you by Nemesis Studios. An elegant weapon for the more civilized age. Gentlemen, welcome to An Elegant Weapon, episode 182. My name is Jay, the Jedi Russ. Please excuse me while I flick my back. Hello and welcome back. Kitties, how you doing this week? Have you noticed it's been early in the week? It's been Mondays. I skipped off Thursdays, started doing Mondays. Don't know why. Just felt like a change. I like seeing how things worked out. So far, I'm liking it. I'm feeling good. I get to end my weekends by delivering to you good times that I had to start your week off with hopefully positive vibes. Got some really positive vibes to bring you this week. More Source Point Press vibes. Tons of Source Point Press vibes lately. This week's Source Point Press vibe is returning to the show. Yes, he's been here before. He's the author behind Wild Bullets, which is a fantastic comic book with a whole bunch of different artists involved. I really hope you checked that out. If you didn't, you're doing yourself a disservice. Well, Greg Wright is back. He's back on an elegant weapon. He's back with something new. He's back with something called Monstrous Tales of Valor and Villainy. Uh, It's Greg Wright. And Ken Lemug, or Lemug, I'm not sure how to pronounce that exactly right. So I'm going to go with Ken Lemug, because I think it sounds cooler. But Greg Wright, that just sounds cool enough on its own, man. It's monstrous. It's Frankenstein's Europe. Frankenstein's Europe has been overrun by monsters and steam-powered robots battling for supremacy. That sounds good. There's been tons of buzz surrounding this uh, comic book. In fact, if you go to the Kickstarter, which has 13 days left to go as of today, right now that I'm going to be dropping this, it is January 17th, 2016. Recorded this a couple weeks ago, so it won't quite match up with the numbers you hear within the conversation, but currently at 9.03 p.m., On January 17th, 2016, we're sitting at 100 backers who have pledged between them $2,294 to support Monstrous. And that is pledged of a $1,000 goal. That's right. It's like 229% fundage or something shit like that. So there's a lot of excitement going around this. If you read Wild Bullets, you probably know why. Greg's an incredible uh, writer. Really cool stories. And in fact, you're going to hear news about uh, more Wild Bullets. Very exciting. 
Very, very exciting indeed. I have to touch on something before we get into our conversation. Josh Werner. Jesus Christ. Josh Werner, another editor and contributor to Source Point Press. You know, they have their own podcast. I don't understand why I'm I'm the Source Point Press podcast these days. I mean, I understand why. It's because there's just oodles of talent oozing out of that establishment. But they do have a podcast. It's Travis, Dev, Snake Oil Comics Podcast. You should go check that out. It's all over. iTunes, all those good places. Snake Oil Comics Podcast. In fact, tonight, those two appeared on the Ninja Starship Podcast with Jimmy McKnight. They were live on the podcast Detroit Network, and you know that'll come to you soon. Also on the Points of Interest Podcast Network, which is indeed the home network of an elegant weapon. But either way, Travis asked me a question that not just yesterday, Mr. Josh Werner, also editor-contributor at SourcePoint Press, asked me the same question. So I'm going to address it right here, because I said I would in the intro. They asked me my thoughts on who Snokes might be. Supreme Leader Snoke, Star Wars, Episode 7. I don't think he's anybody we know. I think he's a new character, as they've said. I think he may have ties and connections to some old stories or individuals that we are quite aware of, but I don't think he's going to be revealed as someone we already know. I don't think that's going to happen. I think the reasons behind that needing to happen would be far too mystical and out there for even Star Wars you know, Star Wars is fantastical as it is. You know, it's not... This seems weird to say because of the Force, but it's not exactly magical, you know what I mean? So, that's my thoughts. I don't think he's anybody. I think he came from somewhere. He was hiding somewhere. It's definitely not Plagueis. You know, officially, since the novel Darth Plagueis has been stricken from canon and is now part of the Star Wars Legends... We don't really know for absolute sure that Darth Plagueis was Palpatine's master. Sure, it seems heavily implied that that's the way it is in Episode 3, when we hear the tragedy of Darth Plagueis told to Anakin during the opera with the Emperor Palpatine there. Supreme Chancellor Palpatine, it seems that he's implying that. But he could just be enjoying the fact that his student struck him down. You know, there's a few ways to kind of take that. McDermott's a Hell of an actor. Uh, you could easily read a few things into that. So officially, it's never actually been stated within Star Wars canon that Darth Plagueis was Palpatine's master. Right? So, who knows? Gotta remember the size of the floodgates that have been opened, kids, by the cancelling of everything. That means everything is open. So that's my thoughts on Supreme Leader Snoke. Snokes? Snoke? I don't know. I don't know. It's one of the two. It's a stupid name anyways, in my opinion. I'm very disappointed with all the bad guyness that happened in Force Awakens. Hopefully, it's the beginning of an evolution of Kylo Ren, and he will get much angrier and eviler. And we'll see what happens! I am far more excited for Episode 8 than I was Episode 7. But, I digress. Back to this evening's festivities. I am speaking with Greg Wright. Source Point Press. Monstrous Tales of Valor and Villainy. Check it out. Back it up. I backed it up. You should back it up because I have a feeling it's going to be super fun. If it's half as fun as Wild Bullets, it's going to be super fun. So listen to Greg tell you about how fun it is himself as we have lots of fun, as I hope you do too. 
Maybe I'll stop for a while. Oh, wait, I can't stop for a while. I just remembered that earlier today I recorded yet another episode with a fine member of the Source Point Press family. <laughs> it just won't end. But there are other things that have also been, you know, safely put away in the bank that will be coming to you in a couple weeks that I'm very, very, very excited to uh, offer. But no spoilers, sweeties, for now. Just for now, me and Greg, here you go. On with it. Booyah. Good times, man. Well, uh, it's an exciting time. Um, it's kind of turning into Source Point Press Week on the show here. Oh, yeah? <laughs> yeah, well, I just released an episode yesterday with Mike Speakman of Carmen. Okay, all right, very and, cool. Uh, yeah. yeah, that was actually that was the first time I've talked to Australia. Okay, yeah. You know, so that that was that was different. I had to stay up till 3 a.m. to do it, but it was Oh, cool. my gosh, when was this? <laughs> Uh, well, I did it last week when I was off on holidays, but uh, I guess 3 p.m. 3 a.m. for me is 7 p.m. for him the next day. Wow. And I wasn't, you know, you know how when you're off for a few days, your sleeping kind of gets messed up. So, you know, you sleep for like kind of naps here and there, three hours. So it wasn't a problem to do it, but uh, it, it was cool, man. It was cool to get that Australian perspective on the comic book scene, you know? Right, right, right. Yeah, I've never talked to to him per se, but uh, I've heard good things. Oh yeah, super fun guy, super awesome guy. Carmen's a good book, and as most of the books coming out of Source Point Press are these days, it's uh, it's it's looking to be an exciting year. Yeah. Yeah, it is going to be a big year for for Source Point for me. Uh, so yeah, I'm really excited about it because um, uh, you know, I've got I got four issues of Monstrous coming out, and then the trade paperback. That's that's a really good feeling. It sometimes I lose sight of that when I'm doing all the nuts and bolts, you know. Uh, lose sight of the big picture of how big a year this is and how exciting it is and everything. Oh yeah, it's been like a source point press tidal wave. I mean, a you're coming off of really good work too. I mean, <laughs> anyone who's read Wild Bullets knows, you know, how exceptional that book was. Oh, thanks. So. I, I- I've written a follow-up to that one too, and uh, the artists have it in hand. I have a timeline for them. I don't. I don't know if. Uh, I don't. I, you know, it's kind of an informal thing, so I don't know when that's going to be coming out. But all the artists are working on it right now. They've all generated work that I've seen. So. Oh, that's um, cool. That's, that's exciting to hear. Is it the same lineup, or did you get a new bunch of kids? Same lineup. Same lineup. Um, <clears throat> yeah, it's going to be the the same four artists working on the pencils and inks. And uh, instead of a Thanksgiving story, this one's a Christmas story, and it's <laughs> even more off the rails, if you can believe it. <laughs> Man, that's really exciting, and how cool to be able to actually get the same team together. I mean, that can't be easy to do when everybody's got so much work going on and stuff they want to do. That's Yeah, that's... yeah, it, it kind of involves some wrangling, and I'm hoping to, uh, with, with Steve Shar, he's got... A big project that, a big secret project that may or may not go through with the two of us. Ooh. And I'm excited about that too, but I'm also like, do Wild Bullets first, get moving, <laughs> you know, because once that big one comes, it will definitely put Wild Bullets on the back burner, so. Right, right. If it comes, right, you know. Well, that's still very exciting to hear, man. Um, so Monstrous is kind of on a, on a steamroller push right now. Last time I looked, which was earlier this morning, I think you were less than a hundred dollars away from fundage, yeah. Yes. Yep. Yep. Yeah. No. So it's a it's a it's a good year, and um, 
Kickstarter is going very well. The Kickstarter is awesome. Um, this is a little bit different from a lot of Kickstarters because uh, a lot of Kickstarters, they're taking that money to make the thing, right? Whatever it is, we wanted to make the thing first. So there's no risk for anybody backing it <clears throat> because we already have made all four issues of Monstrous. We've had them all printed. They're, they're, they're shipped. They're, they're shipped from China. They're waiting in our warehouse. And they will, they will come to everybody. But, so what we're doing with Kickstarter that's a little bit different is that in some ways this is kind of to help build up awareness and market and hype and all that kind of thing. Let people know about it. Uh, it's, it's different because sometimes you might have to, I don't know if you've ever done this, but, uh, with Kickstarters that I've backed before, sometimes it's like, oh, you know, it takes months and months before you ever wind up seeing the thing. This, as soon as it's over, we're gonna start shipping stuff because it's already done. Uh, this is almost sort of like to kind of get pre-order stuff and also get it in the hands of people that we don't interact with on a regular basis and see on a regular basis. Uh, you know, cause it's gonna be in stores, it's gonna be at cons and stuff like that. But in some ways, this is helping to get some of the digital crowds, some of the Kickstarter people and social media people, uh, you know, friends, family, associates who, uh, are not in the area, even some people in the international community. So that's, it's, it's kind of cool and, and I'm glad it's gotten such a positive reception. We didn't know what to, what to ask for because we had, we had paid up front for the printing costs. So this is kind of helping out with those. Well, that's a very modest asking amount that you put up there too what was a thousand dollars benchmark yeah. yeah that's that's incredibly modest like i saw that at first and i was like how are they pulling off a comic book for a thousand dollars and then i kind of realized oh okay this is like you know this is ready to go off like a rocket sort of thing you know yeah yeah and that's that's all that's very deliberate and by design and uh travis mcintyre who's the editor-in-chief of Sword Point press he wants to make it really clear that, you know, this is not asking for the money to make this thing. This is just asking for people to, who are interested in the book. Uh, they're going to be able to get the book right away. And this is, this is a way to show support. And it's good to, like I said, bring in friends and family that, you know, are, are out of state, uh, people that we know who, who are farther away or that kind of thing. Sure. It's almost like a celebration of the release of the book. You know, it's, uh, you know, it's a way, it's almost like a way to do pre-sales, you know, yet, you know, have some mm-hmm. added fun bonuses and stuff like that. That's a, it's a really smart idea. I don't think I have ever seen it used for that exact purpose before, you know? Yeah, it's, it's, it's really cool. And it's, it's also, uh, it, like you're saying, <coughs> excuse me, that it's a, it's a celebration. So many people, like, I'll tell them about this and they'll be like, congratulations. I'm like, that's great. You can congratulate me, but it'd be even cooler if you bought the book. So, uh, well, tell us tell us about the book itself. Or something. <laughs> oh yeah, let me tell you about the book. Yeah, yeah, that's a, that's a good idea. Thank you for keeping me on track. I, <laughs> no problem. That's what I'm here for. <laughs> talking about, about Scrooge. Uh, so, what Monstrous is is it's the the main character is the world that it's set in, kind of like Sim City. It's set in Frankenstein's Europe. They've got. Dr. Frankenstein, he builds his monster, as everybody knows. The monster goes wild. He loses control of it. The monster then builds other monsters or discovers other monsters or creates other monsters. Those are going more and more out of control. Dr. Frankenstein's like, okay, what are we, we going to do about this? He builds a robot army, a steam-powered robot army, to try to stop the monsters. And so it's like the Wild West, except instead of cowboys and Indians, it's monsters versus robots. 
<laughs> good guys aren't all that good. The bad guys aren't all that bad. Instead, everybody's a little bit monstrous. And uh, so it's like the Wild West in more ways than one. The plots are kind of riffing on old John Wayne movies and that kind of thing. Plus, each one of the issues is telling its own separate self-contained story. It's not really about Frankenstein or Dracula or the Wolfman. Or, but they all make appearances. But instead, it's about sort of the low-level, rank-and-file people, the you know, the sort of the under underlings that telling their story. They're affected by these major characters, but it's not telling those stories. So it's not a retelling of Frankenstein. It's just set in that world and expanding on that world. And it's a lot of fun. Everybody loves this book. That's a really cool idea, man. Where did that come from? Uh, television. No, I'm, <laughs> I'm kidding. <coughs> man, I'm, I'm laughing and I'm coughing. Um, <clears throat> so uh, where where that comes from is I've always been interested in telling stories of sort of like behind the scenes kinds of things, you know, like what's like like in the Star Wars movies, for instance. It's like what would it be like to be a stormtrooper? And we get a little bit of that with the new Star Wars movie, uh, but it's sort of like I really like the story of just the the you know the little hired help type people, the the people who would be minor characters in the story and. Well, what's their story, too? Because everybody's got their own. Uh, so I had come up with this idea. I was like, well, yeah, what if what if the end of Frankenstein, the, the book or the movie or however you want to think about it, doesn't end with the monster and the doctor either killing each other or killing themselves or whatever. What if this is exploring this whole new world where you've got a character who's created a monster and then the rest of the world has to deal with it? Well, sure, there'd be more monsters and... There'd be a Franken-Squad trying to limit them, and they'd be, you know, a criminal class. So in some ways, it's kind of like The Wire, you know, where you've got all these little characters doing all their uh, little stories on both sides of the law. So you got Law and Order with the with the robots and Frankenstein and his people and the cops, and then you've got uh, this sort of chaotic criminal underclass with monsters and the people who interact with them. I love that kind of stuff, man. I mean, you mentioned it with the Star Wars. They're especially good at it at times. Uh, the, the novel, Darth Plagueis, was just like that, where you got to see little glimpses behind the Phantom Menace. Like, a lot of the parts of that novel filled in sections of the Phantom Menace that actually gave it a lot more depth and a lot more more of an interesting kind of plot, to be honest. But uh, And the same thing with the comics they're doing now. Uh, the ones that came just after Return of the Jedi, fo they're focusing on like Blue Squadron mm -hmm. so the, and Green Squadron. So the squadrons you didn't get to see in the movies, you know, just the, the basic rebel fighter pilots and their stories, you know. I love that kind of thing. That's awesome. Well, if you think about it, really the way that, that Lucas uh, started building the world in the first Star with the you know, Episode Four, the, the first Star Wars movie, that uh, it really is sort of like, well, here's... Two minor characters, you got C-3PO and R2-D2, who are the only characters for, you know, a good 40 minutes of the movie, and George Lucas got that from, uh, from a Kurosawa samurai movie called The Hidden Fortress, where it's just like, here's two peasants, and we get the story of this epic battle from their perspective. So I, I really like that kind of thing, where you've got, here will be characters who normally be minor characters, but we spend some time with them, and we kind of get to see what they're up to, and how they interact, and I feel like it really fleshes out the world because, sure, you've got these major characters, like I said, Count Dracula, or, you know, uh, all these, you know, even Igor or Dr. Frankenstein. These are the main characters, but who do they interact with, and how does it impact their lives? And it's kind of, 
It feels more lived in that way, I think. I, absolutely. It, it it just adds, like I was saying, like just layers to the onion, you know? You just, just peel things back further and further. I love that kind of idea. And I love I love playing with chronology. It's one of my favorite story types, you know, when, when, when you can fill in gaps that weren't there or, you know, even creating gaps with new ideas and being like, oh, that happened then in between this or that. I love that kind of thing. So. Oh, man, this is totally for you. Cause I'm, I, I'm really excited about this. This is, it's, Plus, you know, uh, people really like steampunk, and all the robots are steam-powered robots, so it's kind of got a steampunk vibe. Oh, if yeah? Think about it, uh, you know, Frankenstein really is taking place during this classic steampunk era. You know, you've got the, you know, the Victorian 1800s stuff going on with it, and uh, all these monsters kind of interacting with each other. You know, Van Helsing makes an appearance, and all these different characters kind of going wild and interacting with each other in, in ways that, are new and exciting and, like you're saying, open up new story possibilities. Yeah, that's why I, I really enjoyed League of Extraordinary Gentlemen for that reason, that story yep. of taking all these, even though those were kind of more main characters, still making them share the story kind of brings them down a level, yet they've still got this epic myth kind of quality to them. Like, I'd love to see a superhero movie not from the perspective of the main hero, you know what I mean? I'd love to see yes. a, a, a superhero movie from the perspective of the people on the street getting saved, you know? And we never actually interact with the heroes. They just come in and come out like they would if you were, you know, just a regular Joe in the comic book. I'd love to see that, you know? That's 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 cool that you would say that because that's uh, that's a script that I wrote called Henchman uh, that I'm, I'm hoping to bring to fruition soon. <laughs> right on. And it's telling the story from a low-level freelance henchman uh, who works for supervillains, and his his older brother is a supervillain, but he's just kind of this freelancer, and he keeps it secret from his family, but they discover it one Saturday morning when a team of assassins comes to kill them, so his secret is out, and he's on the run from superheroes and supervillains and the cops, and he's trying to win back his family's trust. That's that's another one that's just a fun story. I love that kind of thing. Awesome, man. <laughs> oh, it's, it's so cool. It's so cool because, you know, it's it's riffing on all the different kinds of things that, you know, your low-level henchmen do. It's like, well, he doesn't have any loyalty. He wants to get paid up front whenever he can because he knows that the heist is probably going to go south and everything. And, uh, you know, he's just, he's just this goofy, stupid henchman character that, uh, you know, kind of screws things up. But uh, at the same time, he's sort of smarter than the supervillains who can't can't learn and can't move on from, you know, making these plans that always uh, wind up failing miserably. <laughs> right, right. It, it reminds me of that show coming out. Uh, it's a bit different, though, but that I think it's Powers, Inc. or something, but it's that Marvel show that's going to focus on the insurance agency that handles all the destruction and stuff caused by superheroes. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, is that the... I think it's just called Powers. Is that the one that's based on the Bendis series? Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm looking, <laughs> I'm looking forward to that, man. That's a totally yeah. cool perspective. You know, it's, I mean, with with I don't think superheroes are going away anytime soon, and I don't think that uh, tapping the well of comic books, indie and professional, for stories is going to end anytime soon because there's just decades, decades of incredible stuff that is. You know, just been waiting for decades to be translated into another medium, mm -hmm. something I love to do. So, 
it's fun to see when people start to take the risks. Like, like we're so used to superheroes. Now maybe there's more room for things like a show like Powers, you know? Like, <laughs> yeah, 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 definitely. And books like yours to start sticking out. Like, it's it's fantastic, man. I'm, I'm glad this stuff's coming. So tell me about the team and uh, everybody working on Monsters with you. Okay, well, my artist is an award-winning illustrator. His name is Ken Lamug, who I'm always... I, is he's, he's Filipino and I'm always screwed up. I'm gonna I'm always worried I'm gonna screw up his last name. I kind of probably did just there, but he's he's a great guy and he did the pencils, inks, colors, letters, and design elements for all four of the issues. He's a he's a machine. He's a worker. Wow. And it's it's really gorgeous art. It uh, is kind of reminiscent of Mike Mignola and I I love it. Every time he sends me new stuff, it just gives me chills. I'm so excited about it. And, uh, that's, like I said, coming from Source Point Press, uh, where Travis McIntyre and Josh Werner and Trico Lutkins, uh, are all, uh, helping to sort of shepherd this book to, uh, getting it into, into people's hands. I go with these guys to lots of cons. We did, uh, con of Days of the Dead in Chicago in November and done some ones in the Detroit area. We got another Days of the Dead convention in Atlanta in February. Plus, we're going to be all over. Source Point Press is going all over. They're going to L.A., Seattle. I'm going to Boston, Baltimore, Chicago, Detroit, all all over the place uh, to go into a number of different cons. And it's it's really exciting that we can team up like this. And I love meeting people. So if you listen to this podcast and you stop by at my table, uh, the Source Point <laughs> Press table at any of the conferences, you can mention this podcast. I'll give you a free high five. <laughs> right on. Well deserved. It's funny you mentioned that. Just yesterday, kids, we can announce to the world that it is official. We've been granted press for C2E2. Oh, yes. Oh, well, we'll see you there then. <clears throat> it will be my first time going, and I'm so excited because C2E2 has always been the show that I feel most left out of. It feels like every fucking person I know on Earth goes to fucking C2E2, and I just sit home here alone, and I don't know why. <laughs> I'm I'm with you. It will be my first time going as well. I've never been, but uh, it is one of those experiences where everybody's like, I'm loading up for C2E2. Well, do you get that feeling? Like, I don't know about you, but like, I'm just like in general, my Twitter feed and my Facebook, like, you know, the circle of friends that I've grown doing this whole thing. It seems like literally it's I don't know if it's because it's maybe central, maybe kind of middle America. I don't know if it's just the location, but Everyone from everywhere seems to congregate at this one con. It's it's nuts. Yeah, no, I I, I get that feeling sometimes for the New York Comic Con. Uh, That's but... getting that way too. True, because it's also New York is like a schmooze fest. Like all you hear about is people meeting people. Like, right. I don't know if anybody even cares if they sell anything. They just want to meet everybody else. Right, 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 right. Which is which is sort of funny to me. Uh, I mean, I love meeting people. I'm, I love doing that. But uh, I. You're you're gonna see me at C2E2. My my number one thing when I'm at a at a con is I I really hustle. I I try to meet people to sell them the book and you know I get excited about it as you can probably tell right now. I I start flipping out and get really manic and everything. But uh, uh, no man, I feel you. Anytime at any con I've ever been to that is affiliated with Source Point Press, it's not just you know unless they're drawing, which of course is excusable. They're up and about, you know. When I last year, Motor City, I mean, Trico's all over the place, and I don't think I saw Travis sit down once really for the whole con, you know. So you yeah, gotta be up. You gotta be chatty. You gotta get 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 them in there, or else they're just gonna wander by like cattle, you know. 
Right, right, right. And, well, I, I never know what to think or feel when I'm going by somebody else's table and they're just, you know, they're, they're, they're looking at their phone or they're just, you know, they're far away from the table. It's like, I like to be out right in front of the t- table, shaking people's hands, putting the book in people's hands and talking it up. Of course, maybe I don't want to talk about that on a podcast. If more people did that, I suppose the competition would be stiffer. <laughs> very, very true. <laughs> what I do is, I guess I want to take away the other people's money if it comes right down to it. But hey, you do, you do have to do what you got to do. But I mean, you're kind of, you're fully loaded, man. Draw, you got so many good stories now to just drop and be. Hey, do you like this book or this? You, you know, it's yeah. It's a real nice base you've built, man. I'm, I'm still waiting for you to come up with a crappy idea. <laughs> um, I have, I have, I have plenty of crappy ideas I could pitch to you. If you want um, uh, but yeah. Oh, we were talking about Wild Bullets earlier. The, the good news about that is that uh, we in in November we actually sold out of it. So I can only sell the digital copies of that right now. Uh, but next month we're getting a new a second printing of, of Wild Bullets because right on, man. Second printing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm gonna have that at cons as well. Now you get to add that. Now it is second printing. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> now, now even better, even bigger, right? You know. Uh, yeah, oh, yeah. so it's it's pretty it's pretty exciting uh, that all that is is coming. And I didn't even tell you there's another comic book that I've got uh, that's coming out this next year as well. Um, I don't know. I, I, I don't know if I talked about this with you before, but um, are you familiar with Survivor? I don't think so. No. So the, the TV show with oh yeah the show absolutely yeah yeah so um and I'm, and I'm not trying to like name drop or something it has to do with the project I'm gonna get to that in a second well there uh Eric Reichenbach has been a contestant on Survivor twice okay yeah I know who you're talking about yeah okay all right yeah he's he's an artist and he's my artist for a project I've got coming up called Last Monster Standing. That's great, man. <laughs> and the the cool thing about this is the the pitch is giant monsters invade Tokyo and then they get their own reality show. So, okay. <laughs> very much like a survivor mixed with giant kaiju and it's goofy and it's fun and it's basically almost like uh, old Warner Brothers cartoons, like Looney Tunes. You know, they, they beat the hell out of each other and, you know, set each other on fire and things like that. I can't wait to see how you pull that off, man. Like just visually, it's, it's fun. It's it's so much fun, and you know, like the robots, like I'm not here to make friends, and you know, they <laughs> all the reality TV type stuff, and it, in instead of getting voted off the island like they do in Survivor, they get voted out of Tokyo to Exile Island and stuff like that. <laughs> Sounds fun, man. It's, yeah, it's, ridiculous it's, and fun. Oh yeah, it is goofy <laughs> in the best way possible. I mean, like the you know, like the monster movies that inspired. It's just big dumb fun, and uh, and so that's coming out this year. Later this year, we're going to do it digitally and then do a, a print run later because um, it's going to be a four issue series, and uh, that I hopefully will tie in well because they've got the new to- they've got to- the new Toho. Uh, Godzilla movie that's coming out this summer. Yeah, I just saw a picture of him earlier. I don't know if it was legit or not, but he looks kind of funky. He looks kind of like red and like kind of almost burnt, like a little Freddy-esque. It's kind of weird. Yeah, it was weird. I saw those pictures too. I was like, oh yeah, sunburned Godzilla, right? You know. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure what they're trying there, but uh, I'm not so invested in the Godzilla. Man, I, I I haven't even seen any of the new ones. Although I I hear I should. I hear that the last one they did really well. 
That was that was really good. That was really good. I can't think of the director's name. I want to say it's Gareth Edwards. Yes, because he's doing episode eight, man. Okay, okay. There you go. There you go. Or is he doing episode nine? I remember. Yes, I'm, yeah. I'm getting confused between the directors because the one guy, Rian Johnson, is doing either episode eight or Rogue One, and then Gareth Edwards is doing one of them. I'm a, I can't get it straight right now, but. Uh, we're a little too close to my wake and bake today, kids. So. <laughs> but uh, I'm sure you all know what I'm talking about on that one. But before we get too far away from it, I meant to ask about uh, your artist on Monstrous here, and he did everything you're saying. Yes. Yeah. How, yeah. how long was the process then from you know hooking up with him to him beginning the actual art to where it's complete? Well, you know, it, it's varied from issue to issue, and it kind of depends on what else he's doing because he's a busy guy. Uh, the first issue, though... He just came out of the gate like a champ. Uh, he got it all done in almost like basically a month. So, what? What? yeah, no, it was it was nuts. It was nuts. I I don't know how that happened. It's a Filipino uh, work ethic, man. I guess so. I guess so. He's he's like I said, he is he's very driven and he's uh, very talented. And it also, <coughs> like I said, it, it looks gorgeous. Uh, and he's you know he's doing other stuff. He's got his own uh, web comic. He's got uh, another comic that he has come out uh, that came out called The Tall Tales of Talbot Toluca. That's uh, an all ages comic. He's also got uh, some children's books that he's done, like The Stumps of Flat Top Hill. Just a quick shout out to to Ken uh, and all of the other things that he's got going on because he's he's a bu- busy guy and he's got lots of cool stuff. He comes from a background where he you know he's done movies, he's done web design, he's done comics, he's done children's books. Stuff wow, he, he's all over the place. And he lives in the Philippines? No, no, no. He lives in Las Vegas. Oh, but he's just Filipino. Okay, I got yeah, you. Yeah. Right, right. He's in Vegas, eh? Nice. Yes. Yeah. Well, I, I only mentioned the, the Filipino thing because that's his, his last name, and I know I'm pronouncing it wrong, and I always... Oh, what, no, yeah. No, I understand for oh. sure. Yeah. <laughs> he, uh, how, how'd you hook up with him, that if he's in Vegas? You know, I actually just, we got to know each other via Twitter, and... <laughs> right on. Kind of felt each other out where he's like, I, I could tell he was a doer. He got things done, and he could tell I was somebody who would fi- have a lot of follow through and get done things done as well. And I kind of pitched him this idea for the first issue of Monstrous. He's like, "Oh, I, I think I could do that." And so we tried that out, and it's like, "Yeah, let's let's get a few more of these things going." So we have these stories, and that's the other thing that's kind of cool about them being self-contained is that people can read them in any order. It's not like you have to be committed. I, it kind of drives me up the wall sometimes where it's like I, I buy a comic book and it's like, oh, you got to read these 18 other issues just to figure out what's going on. It's like, no. Sure, yeah. Story that's one and done and anybody can jump on board. That's really cool, man. It's uh, it's more like volumes than having to just follow like episodic issues. That's, yeah. uh, you know, a lot of people prefer it that way, you know? Well, and I think it's going to be cool when it's collected as well because uh, although it's like they're separate stories, it'll be cool to have them all in one place where you got some that are from the side of Law and Order, some that are from the criminal side. Uh, and, and you can see, too, that, you know, they all kind of have their own code, but they're all you know, trying to trying to do their best and live by their own sense of honor. Right on. It's uh it's amazing how many beautiful works of art have come out of Twitter. Right, yeah, yeah. It's it's so nuts too, because he's just yeah, he's an animal on Twitter as well. He's you know, uh he's huge, he's great. Uh he uh it reminds me like uh you're familiar with the Tart, Kevin Joseph? 
Um, I don't know. Okay, Tarts, this amazing, amazing book that uh, you must find, you must read. It's incredible. I've been pushing it for years. <clears throat> Derek Becker, our good friend, is uh, absolutely on that tap too. It's it's brilliant. Anyways, it's a book. It's called Tart. It's done by Kevin Joseph. He's out of Florida, and it's by an, uh, a French artist named Ludovic Salet over in the France there. Okay. And same thing there. They met on Twitter. And this incredible creation came out of purely just meeting on the Twitter. And, uh, you know, they finally got to meet at a convention like years later after having, you know, put out this really successful, well-loved book, you know. So I'm at Toronto Fan Days this year, a couple months ago, and I'm chatting with my good friend Dave Bishop. He's the artist and writer of Stranger and of Stone, Mm -hmm. Uh, and he's a local Toronto guy here. So I'm at the con and we're potting and we're just chatting and he's like, oh, by the way, I'm I'm gonna be working with Kevin Joseph and I was like, what do you mean? What? He's like, you know, Tart Kevin. I was like, yeah, like, what? You guys hooked up? And he's like, yeah. And I'm like, didn't you guys hear about each other through the podcast? And he's like, yeah. And I was like, there you go, there you have it. An element nice. weapon has been part of the creation of a comic book. <laughs> matchmaker matchmaker make me a match right <laughs> yeah yeah no but it's it's super cool that people across vast distances can be doing such detailed incredible work together it's 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 a beautiful time in, in the world you know yeah yeah and i look and i also have never i've never met ken in person i mean we've had a zillion phone calls emails everything like that but i've, I've never met him face to face and i'm kind of worried when i do he's gonna be like you're you're a lot fatter than i thought so <laughs> <laughs> I doubt it. I doubt it'll be giant hugs and right, right. You know, you know, you look what you've created together. Yeah, you know? no, no, no. It's gonna be, it's gonna be great. I'm, Ken is, Ken is definitely not the type of guy to to pick on me. It's just a little, but he can, he can use that line if he's listening. He can, he can use. It. <laughs> uh, you're gonna be doing Motor City this year. Yes, definitely. Yeah. So we'll probably get to meet first in Chicago, but then I will see you again for Motor City. Uh, very excited! You heard about their first two announced guests. I have not. I don't. I don't know who that is off the top of my head. Uh, the first two announced guests, Motor City Comic Con 2016 kids. That would be yes, the dynamic duo themselves, Adam West and Burt Ward. Oh my gosh! Really? Yeah. So <laughs> you know, yay! <laughs> Comic batteries to power, right? <laughs> oh man, I can't wait. I uh, have you done Motor City ever? Yes, yeah. I was there last year. I was at a different table than than Travis was. I don't know how we missed connections there. I was at uh, the Michigan Comics Collective table. Had we met yet? Had we actually no. podcasted together at that point? No, I've, I've never met you either, for that matter, face-to-face. Okay, yeah, cool, cool. Um, Yeah, that happens a lot, man. Like, I'll, I'll, I'll come home from a con and, make, you know, make a lot of friends on Facebook or something and not be sure, but kind of have recognized them from the con somewhat, you know, and then they'll have them on the show and I'll be like, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and then you realize you were both somewhere and had no idea, but there's so many cool people to meet. I can't pack them all in in a, in a weekend. <laughs> well, there's no way you're going to miss me at this Motor City Comic Con because I'm going to be at Source Point Press and there's no way that anybody can miss Source Point Press because it's going to be a huge setup that we've got there. Uh, we're taking over like one whole end cap of a, of a row and it's it's going to be just a huge space and we're going to have all the source point press people there 
So Hawk. everybody is going to be contained this year because I know last year I believe uh, I know Josh and Trico were kind of off to another side there, and SourcePoint had its one table, I think. Or was yeah. that just for up the river? I can't remember. I think it might have been just for up the river because I want to say it was Steve Shar who's the artist and Travis McIntyre who's the writer. Uh, but this time it's going to be all of us all in one place, and we've done that at a couple cons, and it is really successful because then people who want to talk about this can talk to this person. People who like to interact this way can go with this person. You know, one person can handle the money and hand books over and stuff. It's it's like a well-oiled machine when we get oh, it's like so that. much easier, absolutely, and, and and it just adds so much excitement. You know, it gives kind of a buzz to the area itself as people come by. They're like, oh, look at all this positive interaction and smiling faces. Right, right, right. As opposed to people who are like scowling and sighing and like, oh, yeah, I guess I'll talk to you. You know, it's so, people, people sometimes at cons get like emo seventh graders. They're like, fine, if you want to talk to me, oh. (laughs) There's so many different levels of guests and attendees. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's almost, you know, it becomes an art form unto itself just navigating these things. Oh, know, yeah. Depending on your given, like, like as a podcaster, it's a lot about timing. You know what I mean? Like, oh, yeah. Like when people are busy or when people are talkative or if they've got commissions or yeah. it's, you know, it, it could take a bit of dodginess and zipping and zapping around. But that's what I love about it, you know? Yeah, yeah. It, it's exciting. I mean, I, I think it's. There's just no other experience that's quite like it where you can go up firsthand and, and meet the people who've done the stuff that you think is cool and learn about some new stuff that you never knew about before that you need to have in your life, right? Uh, which is so exciting about Monstrous because people don't know that they want it and like they take a look at it, they're like, oh, this is really cool. And, you know, they wouldn't know about it if I weren't like telling them about it. So it's so cool that they, you can have that connection when you have those moments where Somebody who's like, oh, I don't know about this. And they flip through it. They're like, this is actually the coolest thing ever. Where (laughs) you get that excitement, like like you're saying, that you you get it in somebody's brain where you you touch some part of it. And they're like, wait a minute, Frankenstein? But there's steampunk robots. And something about that just like touches some sort of nerve center in their brain. And they're like, wait a minute, they geek out about it. I love to see that that kind of light go on in people's eyes. It's really cool. Oh, you would have loved to seen me the to have seen me. Sorry, I just I had to add the av. I actually had a little uh, grammatical debate with someone the other day about the word seen. But anyways, <laughs> when I met when I met Ryan Lee, and I first came upon Ryan Lee and his table and saw the Naturals, just jaw drop, <coughs> like jaw to the floor. He could he's probably my favorite artist right now. He's so and, cool. He's he's such a fun, nice, approachable guy as well. Yeah, um, but I got that feeling like you're saying just when I laid eyes on his art. I was like, okay, this is one of those people. You meet a lot of people who kind of had some talent or developed it or you know found a style or learned. No, this guy was born. They put a pencil in his hand. I'm sure he would say differently. I'm sure he <laughs> has had practice, but he's just got – that eye, he's got that something special where his artwork is so unbelievably unique and original. I couldn't believe it. Like I couldn't take my eyes off it. You know, well, it's such a, it's such a like maybe gritty. Would you call it like a gritty, almost grimy kind of style of that? At times, you know, it, definitely. Yeah, it's, well, it's just got so that... detailed and it looks so, so like realistic. I love that you, you get such a, a textured maybe is, is the. I mean, I don't mean to say gritty or grimy like bad, but like 
that he's got. Oh no, yeah, it's out like in world. It reminds me, like very slightly, of just how I felt when I used to read Mad Magazine when I was a kid. As far as the detail, mm-hmm. there's so much of it, yet it is so well controlled throughout the entire piece. Yeah, you know, like you, you could get lost in that much detail so easily. I don't even know how he ever gets work done. Like, <laughs> right, you, right, you know. And just when I laid eyes on it, I was like, "This is for me. This is, you know." I and I snatched up the naturals and loved it, and was just, yeah. I hear what you're saying. When you find something and you don't, you don't expect it to be so. But luckily, in that case, I just saw his art, which was so good, which led me to wanting to read the book, which happened to be fantastic as well, right? So definitely, yeah. Because it doesn't always happen. I mean, one of the great things about SourcePoint Press is uh, the the groupings of people and people knowing what suits each other. I mean, that's a smart way to make comics. I mean, how many comics have you come across that either the art or the writing is just a part of the other and it takes you right out of it, you know? When when you can find that, especially it's especially impressive if it's, you know, one individual doing the writing and right. the drawing and, it, you know, there's there's some genius people out there, so... You know, SourcePoint's got a great kind of combo system going on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I think that's one of the things that's, that's so cool about about Monstrous and, and Wild Bullet from earlier, for that matter, is that, you know, I've read a lot of indie comics, and like you're saying, usually there'll be one or the other that's stronger, either the writing or the art, but uh, I really like that for both of those books, I feel like there's nothing I need to apologize or make excuses for, because sometimes you're reading a book and you're like, Oh, that kind of pulls me out of it because that looks weird, or well, the mouth isn't quite right, or these proportions are off. But it's like, no, all the art is just killer, top notch, top shelf, top drawer, top everything. I don't know why you'd have a shelf and a drawer, but it, it's both. <laughs> totally, man. <laughs> oh, that's super exciting. Yeah, I can't wait. Motor City is definitely my favorite of the year. And uh, I'm so stoked for C2E2 now. Denver's on the plate as well. I did Denver last year, and that was a trip. That was – my only complaint about Denver Comic Con was it kind of went against the grain as far as it was 90% illustrators in Artist's Alley. Hmm. Like like hardly a comic book to be found, you know, hmm. and that's that's what I'm there for, right? Like, hmm. it, it's great that you're a very talented illustrator. It's fantastic that you can draw pretty pictures of other people's <coughs> shit. That's swell and all, but what kind of conversation is that going to leave me to have with you? You know, right, right. You've got no story to tell me. You've got no even original idea. Like, God bless your talent. Like, right. I could never draw like you. But there's just far too many alleys getting filled up with just people drawing pit, pretty pictures of other people's stuff. Right. And that's fine. That's cool. Like, I don't want to – it sounds like I'm knocking it, and I'm, I I just think it's a little out of control. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I'm, I'm trying to walk a tightrope here. I'm, I'm trying not to, like, insult any illustrators out there because I could never do what you do. Well, but I'm going to go as ahead. A podca- as a podcaster, at least you, you got nothing for me. You know what I mean? Sure, sure. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to, I will insult some artists. I'm going to insult insult Scar, <laughs> who who is an artist on Wild Bullets, and you know is, is going to be the artist on Wild Bullets too. He's big in, in SourcePoint and the Michigan Comics Collective, and he's a nice guy, and he's probably not listening to this because he's a bum. Uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll totally call him out on this because. 
that's one of the things that, uh, you know, we, we kind of regularly give him a lot of grief about is he has these prints that are great prints that he and Mark McKenna did of Deadpool writing a series of the My Little Pony characters. <laughs> yeah, was, those were great. Those are great. Those are so <laughs> funny. But it's one of those things where it's like, like you're saying, this is just, here's two sets of characters, two ideas that are not his, but they're put together and they're funny and they're cool and everything like that. But, but he also backs it up with, here's all this original stuff that he's doing and all of these other really cool projects and ideas and he does great commissions and stuff like that. So I guess I'm not picking on him entirely, but sometimes people will pick on him and be like, oh man, you had to do a Deadpool print. It's like, well, you know, the Deadpool print sells like crazy. Oh yeah, and at least he's got books on the table. Yeah, you know, yeah. It, it, what drives me crazy is when there's not a book on the table. They're just like, here's my wall behind me of anime versions of superheroes. <laughs> Sweet, you know, great. Right, like, right, right. Yeah, and and that is, I think you're right. That's becoming more common uh, because I think it is easier to, for the artist perspective, to churn out. Here's, you know, here's this stylized version of Thor where they don't have any ownership in the character or the story or anything like that, but people buy it. And I think in some ways it's uh, faster and cheaper and easier to just make these things. Like you're saying, they don't really have ideas behind them. It's just... It's, well, that's that sucks then because they're just there to make money. Right, right. Because right. if you're there to just make money, you're just going to be happy doing that and drawing Thor. But if you're a true artist, you're probably wanting to develop your own thing, right? And like search for your own vision, you would think. So. I'm a thing. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe come to the con, find some inspiration, but you know, I, I don't. I don't know. It's you know, it's not like I can do any of that shit anyway. Right, so. right, right. Like, <laughs> you're, you're saying that it can sometimes feel a bit mercenary, where it's just like, hey, you want a Deadpool? I got Deadpool for you, kid. Come here, come here. You like Deadpool? Come on, you're gonna like Deadpool. Get it over here, right here. Yeah, yeah. If I could say anything, it's that I'm a very experienced con goer for 15 years now. Wow. And so I can I've seen change, you know? Like I've seen a lot of change in in a lot of different types of cons and artist alleys and, you know, it, it it's it's a whole different ball game than it once was. I remember back in the day like 2000, 2001 just walking through Artist Alley at Fan Expo and it's nothing but comic after comic after comic and dudes just trying to tell you their stories. Now it's kind of nothing but anime after anime after anime pictures and people trying to sell you steampunk bracelets. Like, that's great, uh, you know. But where where's all the comic books, man? Like, <laughs> there's a lot of a lot more cosplayers too. I would think. I would like to see separations of artist Sally. I would like to see. Uh, more detail as far as okay, here's the comic book alley. Maybe put a wall in the middle. Let's have one one sides are illustrators and exhibitors, and the other side is nothing but comics. You know, I would love to see something like that, where every table is somebody with a book in front of them. That that's a dream for me. You know? Right, right. But you, I have to, you know, I don't. I'm going to pick on you a little bit. You sound a bit like Donald Trump. Like, let's build a wall. No, <laughs> keep these rip raff out. <laughs> no, you could go through the wall. I, I'm just saying. <laughs> You know, because often it'll get mixed up. Like a lot of cons, they put their big artists around the outside, and then it's like you know, they're kind of mixed in there. I don't. I I think there should be more quality, you know, preparation and organization into artist alleys. Basically, yeah, is what yeah. I'm saying. There should be one corner of the artist alley is where all of the, you know, knit, you know, caps are and, and that kind of right, shit. You right, know? right, and, right, right, right. Yeah, craft, craft stuff maybe. 
yeah, like the craft section, and there's your illustrator section. Over here, this is where the comic books are. That way, it's more, you know, for, for the herds that come in, especially like Saturday at a, on a fan expo, when you've got 100,000 people wandering through the Metro Toronto Convention Center, you're stuck in a flow. You've just got a current going through, and people will try to go everywhere and just follow that current. If things are a little more divided, maybe more signage or something, people will know, you know, oh, I'm here for comic books, so I can just go to that area, you know, and I don't know. I just feel like it could be – the current could be controlled a little better. We need yeah. some dams or something in there, <laughs> some levees. I like, yeah, I like that idea of dams, and then – it just it, it spills over when you get too many people or something like that. But uh, well, I I think that's funny too because sometimes I will I'll be out there like talking about my book and and I'll meet somebody and they'll say like well oh, I'm you know I'm not really into comic books and I'm like that always floors me even as many times as I've heard it from different people it it surprises me because it's like you do know that comic is in the name of the event that you're at right you know. <laughs> Well, that I appreciate that some people went a different way. That's why Fan Expo is an expo. Mm-hmm, right, right. And comics really are and always have been just a part of the expo. I mean, Fan Expo is much bigger for gaming. Right, right. Like, like it is a really, really big gaming convention, you know? Like, just mad world-class tournaments and stuff, you know, from video games to magic to whatever. You know, half the building is set up with crazy arcade video game stuff. Yet, you know, there is a very quality, high quality section of the of the comic area, but you know, they've kind of never really fooled themselves. That's why, for me, it, it it's a silly semantic grammatical thing. But you're right. If you're having a comic con, you're having a comic convention. That should be your base theme for everything. You know, right, right, right. But if you're having some sort of fan expo, sweet. That's why they're smart. How there's five sections to fan expo, and it's all broken up. You've got gaming. You've got anime, you've got uh, comics, you've got sci-fi, and you've got horror. And those are all broken up into very specific areas, which a lot of cons do, but Fan Expo is particularly good for really sectioning it off, you know? And it's cool uh, when there's overlap and fans of multiple things and stuff like that, but yeah, I like when you go to an area and you know what you can expect there. I I think uh, it's cool to have those expectations. Yes, yes, absolutely. Like, you know, like, if people go, they often are, if you're just the person who's there to check it out and, you know, you're going to spend a few bucks, which is great, your odds are you're going to buy a print, right? Right. So if you see a clearly labeled just illustrators and prints kind of area, you're going to know that you can go there and that's not going to bung up the traffic from all the kids who want to talk to their favorite comic creators, right? I'm going to have to use that phrase, bung up the traffic at some point now. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Passing my Canadianisms on, I guess. Right, right, right. How was the traffic this morning? Bung. (laughs) Bung, totally. Oh, good times, man. Well, uh, so, um, let me see. Do I have a thing here? I'm going to, I'm going to actually, before we close this out, let's go, we're going to see where we're at. I'm going to pull up the interwebs here. So bear with me for a moment, but I want to see before we leave, because there's a very good chance that as we have been talking, full fundage could have easily... Oh yeah, I haven't I haven't checked it. <laughs> Let's hear Kickstarter. Bam. All right. 
Here comes the Kickstarter. Okay, that's wrong. I hate when they get you with those ads. <laughs> when you think you're clicking the thing and you're like, oh, there's an ad and it takes you to like a specific Kickstarter thing. I don't care about your brave kitty. <laughs> Jesus. Not unless that's actually... a code or something. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, search projects. And what I'm going to do, kids, is what you're going to do. I'm going to put in the word monstrous. And I'm going to hit enter. And there it is. Monstrous. Tales of valor and villainy. I love that, dude. Oh, it's so cool. That's great. Okay, not quite. We are currently sitting at $923 of a $1,000 goal. Uh, 46 fine, fine individuals have backed this project. And there's still 26 days to go. So lots of time. I would bet on black and think that fundage will be soon. If fundage occurs, you got some uh, stretch goals here? Uh, well, we're going to have some stretch goals. I don't. We haven't got that set up just yet, but at, what we're going to do is rather than have it be like, oh, well, you get you know, more pages or something like that, it's going to be everybody who backs it gets a little something rather than, um, you know, like some places will be like, oh, okay, well, then we can make this comic even longer. No, the comic is already printed. So instead, it'll be like uh, everybody can get, uh, you know, little little tchotchke kinds of things, you know, like uh, like little postcards, stuff like that, uh, some SourcePoint swag, stuff like uh, other stuff from SourcePoint Press. It's still going to be cool, but we want to have it be a little bit more egalitarian, like everybody gets something as opposed to uh, the stretch goal is backers who've done $1,000 or more get a free foot massage or something. You know, we want to make sure that it's uh, something for everybody. Right on. Uh, man, I still can't believe this guy, Ken, does all the art, all of it. Oh, yeah. Phenomenal. I'm looking at the cover here. I don't know. I'm reminded of this rabbit. What is this rabbit? That rabbit? I love that because it's so distinctive and people are like, this is so interesting and it it pulls them in. Uh, It's not like it's, it's not from anything. It was just, and when I originally wrote the script, I said, okay, she's going to hire, the little girl is going to hire a monster to track down her father's killer. And he made this monster that had kind of like longish ears. And I said, oh yeah, make it, make them both holding guns. So he's holding a big gun, but she was holding this like pocket watch kind of thing. I'm like, that's so weird that he did that. I'm like, well, let's make the pocket watch a weapon. So we did. And that's like now an integral element of the story. And I was like, also, you know, it's kind of weird that with this monster with longish ears and her with this pocket watch, it almost has this kind of Alice in Wonderland vibe. So then he built it up even more and made the guy look even more directly like a rabbit. And I just love the fact that right there on the front cover, you've got this six-foot-tall rabbit monster who's a bounty hunter and, and heavily armed and on the run from the robot police. Again, that's something about that sentence. If it doesn't touch your brain, I don't know what will, right? <laughs> totally. Um, it just I just came to mind actually. So it might be a book that you actually enjoy. <clears throat> Excuse me. You get me sick across the internet. Oh man. Um, <laughs> it's an action lab book and I'm trying to remember the name of it. But it's uh, oh, it's going to bother me. I don't think it's fra- it's not fracture cuz that's a superhero one. But there's one of their books, and in the book is a tribe of bunny warriors. No, I don't. I don't know that one. I love. I love the action lab stuff. I love uh, like princelets and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll remember. I'll send you. I'll send you when I remember later. I'll look it up. But they're like uh, 
they're like warrior buddies, and they're all different shapes and sizes, but there's one particular that's that's kind of reminiscent of what you've got going here, except he's more like he's like Viking, uh-huh. and rather than his ears straight up, they're kind of like a ponytail in his uh-huh. back type uh-huh. thing. But but yeah, it's 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 super cool, man. It's uh, you may enjoy it. I'll try and remember. And uh, I love the TikTok. Look yeah, I, I specifically said I wanted it to you know take the inspiration from uh, from the Wizard of Oz, and so yeah, the the robots, a lot of this. The low-level grunt ones, you know, look kind of like uh, TikTok because, again, that's not too far off of our timeline in terms of stuff that they were creating at the time. Another thing that sometimes people compare the rabbit monster to is uh, like Usagi Ujimbo, uh, if you're if you're familiar with this. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I didn't think that. It was it was actually more just the build of your guy <laughs> that reminded me of the other one because I, I totally just flashed in my head because it's about some fuck. It's gonna bug me. You know what? It might be. Hold on, give me. Three seconds. Hold on. <laughs> well, also, while, while we have a moment, uh, I the trailer for the Monstrous comic is also something that Ken did. He hired a voiceover actor, and he paid for the music on that, and that trailer is phenomenal. It's just like a 30-second trailer okay. that's super cool. It was actually it was in my magazine okay. stand in my bathroom. So. <laughs> you just ran the bathroom. But it's called... <laughs> Yeah, it's called Skyward, and uh, yeah, Skyward into the Grim, and it's uh, a cautionary tale for errant rabbites. I think that's what they're called, rabbites or something. But uh, yeah, it, it's a really cool thing. If anybody wants to check that out from Action Lab, uh, Skyward. Yeah, it's this tribe of bunnies, and they're all like warrior bunnies. But uh, yeah. If you guys see that and then take a look at Monstrous, you'll see what I mean. But you, yours has got uh, much more of a Mignola type thing, right. like I think right. you mentioned. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah, I'm stoked for this, man. This, this looks. Oh, cool. it is. It's so it's so cool. And uh, one other quick little thing, uh, I put together this kind of cheesy Kickstarter promo video that is out there that people can check out that talks about the Kickstarter and it's got me acting like an ass in front of the camera. So that's good times as well. It's, uh, it's, it's, I mean, I'm very dorky and I just, I, I fully nerd out in it. I, I hold a little plastic skull and do a riff on Hamlet. It, it, it's well worth your time. All right. Well, we're going to put the link up on the site, kids, so make sure that you uh, you take a look and view Greg's awesome video there. And uh, make sure that you pledge this. Get get involved. Get into Monstrous. Uh, if you haven't read Wild Bullets, kids, you absolutely must. It's an incredible story and an amazing idea, and it's a team effort uh, for incredible artists all, you know, bringing Greg's words to life and it's a really cool story and it alone has me incredibly stoked for Monstrous here uh yeah that's how it goes all the usual stuff you've been hearing a lot lately on this show blah blah Travis McIntyre <laughs> blah blah Josh Werner blah blah Source Point Press is awesome <laughs> and you're probably gonna keep hearing it for a long time kids especially this year so uh Greg, I will see you. All tomorrow. right, wonderful. I don't get tired of hearing it. I love it. I love that blah, blah, which is actually my middle name. <laughs> Lots of more blah, blah to come, kids. But for now, that is all the blah, blah we're going to have this week on An Elegant Weapon. Take it easy.